2: Show on 105.7 FM, the fan Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, along with Dwight Albright, and joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, as always, when he's not here, he is Phil Brilo from Extra Frame and PBA.com. Uh, What's going on, Phil? How you doing, buddy?
3: Uh, not too much. Getting ready to get home from Texas and uh, hopefully beat the uh, snow. Uh, I know I'm not going to beat the cold later in the week, but at least I'll beat the snow home tonight. I don't. So. I, I. Where are you going next weekend? Uh, next week, I'll actually be in studio. So Super Bowl Sunday, I'm home. I don't leave for uh, tournament champions until Monday. So. I
2: would just tell your wife you have a, a, a something you have to get done in Arizona for bowling. Mm-hmm. You'll be back in a week. I, I wouldn't come back to this. You're <laughs> out of your mind. I'd find somewhere else to go. I would not come back home. Um, oh, oh, I know All right, so in studio today, we're going to have the uh, Oak Creek High School uh, bowling team. They are in studio. They actually brought uh, the boys of the boys' bowling team uh, this year, which last year they couldn't do. So we're going to have them in studio this week. They're all looking at me very weirdly right now. And then uh, we'll have Leroy Butler, the Packer Hall of Famer, will join us at 9.52. He's got a big Super Bowl uh, bowling party, I guess you could say, uh, that he'll talk about. Plus, Phil, you talked with uh, Sean Rash earlier this week after the win in the doubles match last week, right?
3: Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you what, he's really on fire right now. He had a great tournament in Lubbock, and he's going to be the top C on the show today. So, sneaking a little insight about how he and uh, Matt Olga worked together last week in the doubles, but it's uh, all by himself today in the singles for Ash.
2: Uh, can I just say something, first of all? I, I did not take a lot of notes on the doubles saying... Because really, I, I really didn't care about it. I'll be honest with you. After O'Neal and Belmonte went off, don't worry about it, Dwight. They can't hear it. Only you can hear it in your headphones, and I can hear it. We have some noise in our headphones that is going to drive Dwight crazy, but it's okay. Uh, th- but th- th- this is the thing. Um, and and I, I'm speaking as a common fan, right? I'm not speaking as bowling geek. Once O'Neal and Belmonte went out, mm-hmm. who else did anybody else know on the rest of that show? Al- other than Rash. Who else did anybody else well, know? I knew Ogle? Sam Cooley. Oh, okay, you may know Sam Cooley, but I bet you money, most of the people watching didn't know Sam Cooley. Ogle, I don't think anybody really know who, who Ogle was, Phil. Did you know who Ogle was at that point?
3: Oh, I, as, as being in the industry, yes. As a casual fan, no, you wouldn't have known who Matt Ogle was last week.
2: No idea. So for, for me, it, it was it was tough to sit there and have a rooting interest. Now, I did because Rash was involved, but for <laughs> the, for the most part, though, I think a lot of people, once Belmonte and O'Neal went away, unless they were strong Sean Rash fans or were anti-Rash Sean Rash fans, I don't know. I would love to see what their TV ratings look like, I guess, after those guys were eliminated. Once Belmonte and O'Neill oh, got eliminated, yeah. how many TVs clicked off at that point and said, well, I don't really know anybody else on the show. I'm out. Well, all they know is they had record numbers
0: for viewership this week, which was great to read. Mm-hmm. I read that. It was the highest rating of
2: the three shows so which far, which is good. Yep, because they're starting to gain some traction. Phil, I I would have to imagine that these these bowling centers are starting to fill up maybe more than they have in the past.
3: I think a little bit more. I think just the strength of uh, what we're seeing still for uh, you know youth bowling being involved, and then you know it's it's kind of the opposite of the old days. It seems like where the parents would watch, you know, have the kids and get in the bowling that way, and get the kids in the bowling. Now I think some of the younger players, especially high school and college, now their parents are starting to watch bowling again. I think that's a definite influence that could be uh, helping with those TV ratings as well.
2: You talk about Belmonte and O'Neal, their chemistry is just outstanding. You see the the Kimberly Presser interview beforehand, and O'Neill with his sense of humor. Everybody's laughing. Belmonte's got no response, really. He pretty much just checked out at that point. It was done. I wonder if that was scripted. No, I don't think so, man. Bill, I mean, Phil, you could talk on this. Bill O'Neill just has that dry, witty sense of humor all the time.
3: Oh, absolutely, and, and and when they're together at tournament sites, it's, it's a little bit of the same thing, maybe not to that full extent of, uh, of Bill sticking it to Belmo, but, yeah, it, it's a definite camaraderie and fr- a true friendship they do have off the lanes, and it, it's not a surprise that on TV, you know, even the banner back and forth a little bit as the match got away from them, right. uh, you knew that was going to happen.
2: Yeah, and that's, that's what makes it fun is when you have that. Do you like the doubles format, Dwight? Love it. Absolutely, absolutely. love it. Phil, how about you?
3: I like the doubles format. The part I wish, though, is that they actually bowled the whole event uh, of more games as doubles teams because in the initial part of the event, it was the qualifying for the Oklahoma Open. They only bowled 12 Baker games together before they got to TV. Uh, so I, as a, as a bowling fan, I'd like to see more of the Baker games in there as well for these players.
2: What's the relationship with Rash and Ogle to begin with? Is it just that they they with Brunswick and that's the relationship, or did they know each other before this?
3: They knew a little bit of each other before. Matt's been a pretty strong player. There, He was a strong player in the amateur scene for quite a few years. I remember a couple of years back when the Masters was in Indy and Ogle shot two 300 games and one five-game block uh, to lead the opening day of qualifying. So Matt, a quality player, uh, finally committed to the PBA Tour uh, after quite a few years as a good amateur. Sean knew him you know, from both you know traveling around tournament circuits up you know when Sean's uh partner decided to change things up Matt go ask Sean to bowl and you know now the rest is history
2: uh Sean Rash uh obviously did not have uh, a good last couple of years necessarily year for sure 2018 now maybe we know why well it was was not necessarily a, a great year for Sean Rash uh and in here uh in the PBA uh little story on it he said I was almost in a depression. Uh, it got to the point where I wondered if I wanted to do it anymore, but then I just had to force myself to do the things I needed to do to get better by getting in shape, eating right, making the changes with my game, like going from a 16-pound ball to a 15-pound ball. Mm-hmm. How many guys on tour are throwing 16-pound balls, Phil?
3: Not many anymore. Uh, it's probably less than 10% of the bowling balls I know they keep on the truck are 16-pound
2: I mean, I remember,
3: yeah,
2: again, I, I'm going to sound like the, the goofballs that call into our sports talk radio shows <laughs> during the week, but, I mean, I remember the last time I bowled, which would have been in league like 2006 maybe. 7, 8. Uh, yeah. Something like that, somewhere in, in that league. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in that area. Um, when we bowled in that league, I was bowling a 15-pound ball then. Even back yeah. then I knew to go down a pound. People were saying that back then, so – to see that, Sean Rash is talking about, well, I just now made that move. I guess I was a little taken aback and surprised by that.
0: Right. I, asked, I actually asked Sean Rash that at one of our trade shows four years ago uh, in August um, in Chicago. And he said his exact words were, I can only speak for our staff of Brunswick. But he goes,
2: I am the only one throwing 16. Yeah. And I, how many balls are you drilling on a day-to-day basis that are still 16-pound balls for guys? It's probably less of- than a dozen a year.
0: And most are 15s now. Right, 90 to 95%. Phil, how it's long? actually 14 then, second popularity. 14? Yep. A lot of guys are going from 15 to 14 as our sport ages.
2: Grown men are throwing 14-pound balls? I did at the end. Well, right. your shoulder was all jacked up and everything well, else. shoulder back. Yeah, yeah right. I and mean, you're just old. But Thanks. You're welcome. You're just falling apart. It's, all, it's okay. We love you. <laughs> uh, Phil, you, you've you been throwing 15 for a while, I would assume, right?
3: Yeah, I still throw 15, and, and when I made that back, down from 16 a few years ago. It's really about keeping the ball speed up. Right. Um, right. You know, when these guys are, when these, these guys are, aren't kicking tens out because of their rev rate, they're kicking the tens out because it's a combination of the rev rate and the ball speed. Uh, so, you know, that's why these guys need to keep up the 19, 20, 21 mile, 21 mile an hour ball speeds out on tour and start kicking tens of staying competitive. It's, it's going to be the drop in weight.
2: I, I got to just point out something else that I thought was very funny watching Ogle. It's just funny to me, man as the two-handed bowler that drove Sean Rash crazy, that he went and found himself a two-handed bowler to bowl with in doubles. Doesn't that just crack you up? The karma in that is just beautiful to me. And then the two-handed bowler helped him win doubles on right. top of it. The, the part of the show
0: that I thought was funny was one, after, one of the strikes that Rash had, obviously because his rev rate is not as high as the two-handers. He looks back at Speckle, he must have a screen up, and he looks at back at Chuck Gardner and says, 462. And obviously, no one picked up on it. I did. It was his RPM rate on that one shot. So between the knee, the back, and the wrist, at one time, Rash was much higher than 462 for a rev
2: rate. He couldn't hang necessarily, you know, step for step with those two-handed bowlers, but he was probably one of the closer guys on tour, Phil, with those guys that were bowling two hands.
3: Well, absolutely. When Sean was bowling the the pre-tournament qualifiers back in 07, 08, you know, 10, 12 years ago, he was one of the higher rev rates on tour. And as the bowlers have become more athletic and they see guys like Sean, you know, he's, he's part of the, one of the reasons why kids are are more and more, if they're one handed, they know they need to rev it up like an EJ tack or, or, or or guys like that in order to you know, be competitive out in these PBA tour.
2: Uh, Stop. The Pete Weber's are coming. Just give us a little time. Us small little dudes. We're gonna come with one hand, and we're gonna we're gonna show back up again. We're gonna change the trend, Phil. Give us some time. Hey, uh, real quickly, I because I, I know Dwight over here has ten pages of notes on this doubles tournament. Match one: Rash and defeat David Belmonte and O'Neill, two fifty six to one seventy two. There's nothing really to talk about there. Do you have anything? Mm-mm. Okay, good. Okay, match two. Rash and Ogle defeat Gerard, who we just saw for the Uh first time really last week that I remember, Uh, and some cat named Wilkins. 216 to 210. That was a much better match there at the end there, Dwight. Yeah, much closer. I guess the only question I had for Phil was I just thought it
0: was brilliant if if either Rash or Ogle talked about it with Chuck Gardner or it was all Chuck Gardner. But why were their launch angles, Phil, so much straighter through the heads and all the other guys were trying to go away from the boards?
3: They were were that way all week uh, during the event in Shawnee, uh, both for the Oklahoma Open part of the event and during the Baker match play. It, they just felt if they played straight through the heads, it was going to get themselves into less trouble uh, on Aaron shots. You didn't see a lot of splits out of those guys in Aaron shots. I only remember one in the four games uh, between both those players, and it's just if you made a mistake, it didn't get maximized by letting the ball get out to the right, and we saw some uh, some pretty ugly shots when they got leaked out to the right by the other players.
2: Semifinal: final Ration Ogle, David Cooley, and Lavery Spar. Lavery Spar, I, I got to be honest, I didn't really yeah. know him, but even this week, too, it looked like he's been bowling pretty yes. good, too. Give us some more background on this dude, Phil. Uh,
3: young man, didn't really go through the college ranks much. Bowled a lot of tournament action uh, down here in Texas. There's quite a few tournament organizations that uh, if you're looking for a tournament to bowl any weekend in Texas uh, in a six-hour drive, you can do it. And he just progressively made his way through there and improved and, um decided to take a full-time shot at the tour this year his brother sean we saw sean last week uh sitting on the sidelines Uh, sean's an up-and-coming part-time player as well too so uh definitely a name to look out for with that lavery spar family
2: that brings up an interesting point so of these guys that are on tour that most of us may not have heard of how many of them are there that didn't have big collegiate careers necessarily before they got on tour now
3: well, it's a lot of guys from Texas, really. If you look at Anthony Simonson, uh you look at uh Sean Maldonado, you look at the Lavery Spar guys, uh there there's a pretty big scratch bowling uh you know area around here in Texas and uh with all the money that's out there every weekend there's guys that actually still commit to bowling tournaments full time uh on the amateur level down here in Texas. It's not a huge living, but you can you can get by if you do well and then um these guys once they think they're good enough then they go ahead and get the PBA card and and give the shot against the rest of the world. That's
2: that's that's amazing stuff. Because I think a lot of people just think, well, if you don't really, you know, go and, and have that collegiate bowling career, it's probably a little bit tougher to get on the PBA tour. But regardless of which way you go, you still have to have sponsorship in order to make it all work, Phil.
3: Right, yeah. And there's there's guys down here in Texas that back bowlers and uh, they have these auctions at tournaments called Calcutta's where sometimes there's more uh, money in the Calcutta pot put up by the uh, guys that are backing the bowlers and there actually isn't the tournament.
2: (laughs) That's cool. The kids in high school right now are checking uh, different places in Texas to live when they get out of high school. (laughs) Uh, Okay, the championship match, uh, Rash and Ogle defeat Miller and Sherman 213 at 200. What you got, Dwight? Well, there's another name that you
0: didn't bring up was Kyle Sherman. I mean, obviously, he was picked in the PBA League by Norm Duke, so to me, because he had that PBA League experience, I mean, he he was a household name and um, I, I remember Duke calling him the Sherman Tank on the PBA League. So um, one thing that I brought up uh, I, I, in my notes, Phil, and I thought was a great point, uh, especially with the boys in the, in the room here, is finally Randy Peterson talked about how they achieved their high rev rates. And a couple of weeks ago when Bill O'Neill uh, was on and won his title, they showed a slow-motion side angle shot of him. And the thing that Randy finally brought up on this show, especially with as many high rev rates as were on this show, is how the pros time their uh, bent elbow cupped wrist from the top of the backswing down and then do the uh, uncupping at the release point or the yo-yo effect. And um, I I just think that's so important if if, uh, the youth in the room here want to get to the rev rates that the tour guys have. To me, that is, I think, one of the biggest things that you can see in slow motion, but they don't talk enough about on the shows.
3: Well, yeah, and if you compare a lot of one-handed deliveries to two-handed, you'll see a lot of the two-handers, they have a much straighter elbow, but they also have that guide hand on the front of the ball all the way through the swing, all the way down through the base of the swing in order to get that, keep that hand under the ball. You can't really do that well with one hand and do it time and time again unless you have that bent elbow and unless you can really uncork on that wrist. You're just going to have a 300 rate like a league bowler. You've got to be able to have that timing and, and snap that wrist at the bottom in order to impart the revolutions to the bowling ball. And that's just hours, weeks, months, years of practice. Yep.
2: Hey, I, I got to ask you one other thing, because uh, then we're going to talk taught the Old Creek High School a bowling team. What happened to Prather, man? He'd been up uh, in front all week and qualifying. He just Did he just self-destruct yesterday?
3: No, I'll tell you what. Um, it's kind of like what happened earlier in the week in the Scorpion pattern. We had some guys that actually left town because they thought they were going to miss the cut, and they had to, you know, yeah, they had to drive back from Dallas basically because they had left uh, before the field train wreck. Scorpion pattern yesterday just got brutal. And a lot of guys, when it came down to the, to the later rounds of the tournament, um, it was, it was, the scorpion was near impossible. I was watching guys' games four, five, six, seven. If you shot 230, you were gaining a ton of ground on the field because the scorpion pattern just got so brutal. I think on the TV show today, the Scorpion pattern lane is the one that's going to make the difference. And I guarantee you that Sean Rash will probably make his opponent finish on that Scorpion pattern by the time he gets to that final game.
2: For those that don't know, it's going to be a different pattern on each lane, right? So what's the other pattern?
3: The other pattern is Wolf. The Wolf's only 32 feet in length. The Scorpion's 42 feet in length. And the Scorpion actually has a defined out-of-bounds where they put a real heavy amount of oil on the outside five boards, kind of like what they did with shark a couple of years ago. When you saw that on TV, you saw the really defined out of bounds on shark. Now they've kind of moved that over to the scorpion and it can make for some, uh, pretty interesting Aaron shots. We had Michael Tang a few times on, uh, the, uh, flow bowling webcast this week, uh, pick out the six, nine out of a rack on a shot that was Aaron's to the right on scorpion.
0: We had Flow bowling on in the shop all week, Bill, again, you, you and the guys do such a great job with it. Uh, the thing that I noticed was uh from Lubbock all week was how bad the carry was down there. It just looked like guys were leaving the craziest pocket splits I've ever seen.
3: Yeah, there was there was sometimes I think a lot of it though was the angles because if you're watching on the wolf, the guys some of the guys are really trying to get the ball to go long uh past the end of the thirty two foot pattern before it was making a move. And sometimes you get that seven, you know, seven or eight degree entry angle. You get some weird things like light pocket four tens and pocket six pins and that type of thing uh the scorpion pattern yeah you had some weird leaves there too but that was because when a bowler missed bad right it was uh was you know like I said michael Tang taking out the six nine chris barnes went back-to-back gutter balls on the scorpion earlier this week so when he was in match play that's that's uh, gonna be interesting on that pattern today no doubt that that back-to-back
2: gutter balls he's chris barnes for god's sakes that doesn't happen uh uh, okay, Phil, thanks so much for coming on. Like I said, if I were you, I wouldn't come home, but it's your call.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I already told my wife I'm coming home, and I know she's <laughs> listening, so I can't get out of it.
2: Uh, then
3: I didn't say what I said earlier. Sorry.
2: All right. Okay, see you later, Phil. <laughs> Bye, Phil. There you go. There he is. Phil Brilow on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. said your renovation journey with a simple, convenient pre-approval from Great Midwest Bank, dedicated to providing perfectly personalized home loans to those right here in our community since 1935. I will tell you right now. Dwight, I am excited for today's show. I'm excited because Kyle Troop is on the show today, and I'm excited because Sean Rash is one. Dick Allen. Uh, he doesn't get me excited. Only um, I mean, we've League. We've watched Dick Allen bowl for years, and I, right. I know who Dick Allen is. I'm just telling you, I, whatever. Troop gets me excited. Troop. I would love yep. to see Troop beat Rash yep. uh, to win it. That's what but I'd I thought love to about see.
0: you all week, especially a comment that Rash made. He said, I still have it, baby. To, a, to Matt Ogle after a strike. I still have it. What, I thought of you right bottle? away. No, just Sean uh, Rash that he's not it was washed up yet. Was yeah, I'm joke. being sarcastic. Yes, bottles. I know how big of a fan you are of him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, uh, coming up next, uh, the Oak Creek High School bowling team. They're in studio. We'll talk to them. Still ahead, we'll hear from the aforementioned Sean Rash. He sat down with Phil Brilow earlier this week. We'll get that to you. And Leroy Butler, the Packer Hall of Famer, will talk about his big uh, party that has got coming up uh, for the big uh, game coming up uh, this weekend at Classic Lanes in Greenfield. You can watch a game with him in bowl. How cool would that be this weekend? We'll hear from him at 9.52 here on The Fan. <laughs> It is the Castle Aid Spare Time Bowling Show, and I'm learning stuff. I'm just blown (laughs) away by today. Like, I've been out of league play for a while, but this is just insane hearing the weights that guys are bowling with nowadays. Uh, Okay, see Sparky for Dwight Albrecht. Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. What's going on over there this week, Dwight? Well, we are in our tournament season,
0: and you know how tournament guys are. They got to get their new ball ready before the tournament, so... Yeah, we've been working a couple 70-hour weeks. It's keeping us busy, and uh, the third release of the new balls are coming out for the
2: the tournament guys, and so it's been great. All right, uh, in studio, the Oak Creek High School bowling team, or at least a couple of them from the bowling team, and the Robleskis, I hope I said that right, uh, Craig and Jeff uh, in studio. Did I say that? I got that? You got it
4: correct. Thank God.
2: First time. Uh, (laughs) uh, Okay, right, I got lucky. And then Joey Urban uh, and Mitchell Sturmel, uh, in studio as well. Uh, first, let's start out with the, the the youth bowlers first. Uh, since Joey's closest to the mic, let's start with you. How right. old did you start bowling, and why did you start bowling?
5: Well, I was probably like maybe like five or eight years old or something like that, and then um, we just started. I just started on a little Saturday league with bumpers and all, and I just started bowling more and more and more, and then I did your parents like, bowl. Uh, I don't think at the time just a little bit, but then once I started getting. Into it more and more, they started going into really? it as well.
2: Okay, so okay, so that's how Joey got into it. All right, Mitchell, you step up to the microphone now. How about you? How did you get
6: involved? I don't know. I just started bowling because my dad was doing it. Uh-huh. About five. Yep. Dad was bowling way before I was born. So sure. I just kind of got into it. Good. Okay, so
2: both parents influence to a degree. Now we talked about the Oak Creek High School bowling team uh, on the air uh, previously a couple weeks ago about how we came. To, I came to the open house uh for the ninth grade center and all the teams and everything was set up and you guys were there with the bowling team uh and jeff you had said at that point when i talked to you that that kind of was the first time where you guys were really kind of invited to that whole deal right
1: right yeah that was the first year we've done some fall stuff uh after school started before but uh they've changed that around you know they want us there you when the freshmen are coming in for orientation uh you know open house so they can see what's going and we're there just there with everybody else and uh amazing for the interest that there is for it i was really shocked
2: we had 28 kids that signed up for freshmen next year now what he didn't tell you was they had a a chance to win a free lifetime of wendy's if you signed up (laughs) (laughs) that's why everybody was going to the table no i'm just joking um okay so last year you said you guys didn't have a women's team at all right yeah now this year with signups it looks like you could yeah it looks like
1: uh we have seven girls that showed an interest And it would really be great to get the girls going again.
2: How many of them have bowled? Um, I believe out of that, two of them have bowled before. Okay. So So is that common with high school bowling, Craig, as far as people that sign up for bowling at this age that have never bowled before and you're kind of starting from ground zero? Or are you seeing a lot of league bowlers by the time you go?
4: Recently, we haven't seen a lot of league bowlers coming from junior high up uh, sign up for bowling to high school. So a lot of it is starting in middle school and then carrying over to high school. I just keep thinking back when I was a kid, man. If they had this back when I was a kid, we would have
2: absolutely destroyed the state of Wisconsin, I think, because of the bowlers that we had in league play back then. I mean, they're, I, yeah. just I the top of my head, we had five or six guys that were all averaging around 200 or above that we all bowled together from the time we were like six or seven mm-hmm. on Saturday mornings yeah. all the way up in travel ball. Yeah, we, all we all had was
0: Saturday morning juniors, and right. my parents had to drag me out of there. I mean, juniors were done by like 1130, and I don't think we left until about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We kept no, bowling, and no, then, no, no. of course,
2: we went home and then watched the PBA. No, I went home and watched wrestling. I wasn't sitting messing around <laughs> in the damn bowling alley, man. I had WWF wrestling to go home and watch. Uh, oh, okay, so, so that's a little insight there. So from that perspective, as far as Oak Creek goes, uh, living there, I kind of have an idea of this. I mean, that – the town itself is just exploding. You have Ikea and all this other stuff going in. So the population is growing. You have condos and apartments going up everywhere, which means more and more people. How is it for the rest of the high school bowling scene? Uh, obviously, you guys did well there with the incoming, but is the rest of the high school bowling scene in southeastern Wisconsin doing okay? Because I know there are some situations where you have co- schools combining in order to make a high school bowling team still.
1: Yeah, there are a few that are co oping um, they don't have the turnout, but the interest is getting out there. Uh, this year, Cudahy almost had a team. This year, they they got the four. Um, they're looking positive for next year, possibly having a team. We had at Milwaukee Marshall this year, an MPS school, um, to give us our second one. Uh, there's so many MPS schools out there. If we can get the interest going in them, you know, it'd be great. Uh, Pulaski just got a grant from USBC this week, twenty five hundred dollars. One of four schools in the country to work at building up their program.
2: So okay, we, so hold on a second here. Right, I was um, ask, so this, this is this is my question. So when a kid signs up to bowl, right? So now these two here, Joey and Mitch, Mitchell, who are in here, you guys have your own bowling balls, the whole deal, right? Yeah. Okay, yep. yes. Those people that have never bowled before in a league or anything else, I'm guessing probably don't have their own bowling ball. So how does that work then when they sign up with you guys? I mean, you're not letting them throw a damn house ball in league play.
4: That, that's what they use. They use house shoes, house ball, and we try and get them to the basics. And then, you know, like the coaches will have some older equipment laying around that. Mm-hmm. Or even uh, bowlers, you know, if they're not using the equipment, we'll give it to the kids. All the parents have to do is go get the ball plugged, drilled. Oh, okay. And then that, that saves them up front. to get them into the sport and see what it's all about. Oh, okay. So I... Uh... See,
2: I, every time I learn something new, like just now, because it didn't really hit me until you started bringing up, like, NPS schools and stuff like that. And I understand, having talked to high school football coaches and basketball coaches, some of the situations that they get put in and how difficult it, it is sometimes. Uh, as far as getting kids to show up for practices, uh, basketball programs, you know, they just keep the kids out of the school because, A, if they send them home, they don't know if they're going to be able to get back. Or if they do go home, they don't know if they're going to eat. And then they're going to come back and they're not going to have eight and then they're going to play basketball. So they just tend to keep them there at the school, make sure they eat dinner, or whatever else, and then get them out there. So I know there's a lot of restrictions. So I guess my thing is we have all these bowling centers that have league play. Like how many of these bowling centers that have towns that have high school bowling, do they put up signs that say, hey, you know, if you're done using your ball or whatever else, we'd like to donate it to the high school team go ahead and do that. I've never seen that in my life. And listening to you all talk, I mean, you guys got classic lanes right there in Oak Creek. I mean, that there should be something up in, in that bowling center, if if nothing else, saying, hey, if you're you're done with your ball and you're getting the new latest model this year and spending all that money, the Oak Creek High School bowling team would love for you to donate that ball so somebody that doesn't have a ball could have a ball. Doesn't that make a lot of sense?
1: It it does make a lot of sense. We do it by word of mouth and you're right, man. You know, that's something we should look at and consider getting mm-hmm. a sign up. A couple know. of signs. That's
2: all it would take. Yeah, you know, right?
1: here, here's the problem with that, Sparky. Is that unfortunately,
0: when a, an adult gets rid of a ball, it's a 15 pounder, and a lot of these kids don't have the
2: strength to handle a 15 yet. Yeah, I understand that. But if the sign is up in the in the facility, now I don't I don't go to Classic Lanes uh, all that much, but I'm assuming they have junior leagues of some sort, one way or the other, right? Right. Yeah. Saturday mornings, we got our junior league. Okay, right. So if the if the sign is up, the sign is up. So right. if you can get those kids to donate balls, then you take it. Now, it's right. not like it was for me back in Kenosha back in the day for my dad bowl leagues. I don't know how it was around here. But back in the day, there was a, a bowling alley called Surf, Surfside Bowling Alley. It was on the north side of Kenosha, Kenosha. Right. And it was right across from Lake Michigan. Right. There would be nights. Guys would walk across the street and throw their bowling balls <laughs> into the damn lake because they were so mad about how they bowled in league play that night. Yeah. I swear to God. I, There's I, been I, nights. That, that, <laughs> that, that has happened. So I'd rather give, them give it to a high school bowler coming up than donate it to the fish.
0: Well, another thing, too, is obviously the coaches can answer this, but they have fundraising during the year for this, probably one of this reasons. So the. The kids can get some equipment. How does how does that compare to other sports like in the high schools? Like, and you'll know the Sparky for fundraising for like football
2: and and basketball. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just use. Let me use youth baseball for a second. Do you guys either one of you guys play baseball, Joey or Mitchell? No. I have. You have before, but not now. Yes. No. How 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 long did you play baseball for? To what for about grade? four to six years? To, when did you stop? What age?
5: Uh, I think ten or twelve.
2: Ten or so. All right, right at that age. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let me give you a, a prime example. So, uh, our 12-year-old now has just turned 12, Is plays for the junior night's baseball team, right? And there's two junior night's baseball teams. And in Cooperstown, the Baseball Hall of Fame is, they have this huge tournament all summer long, and it's usually for the 12U teams that can go and play. And then they have, like, home run derby. They got all this stuff. The kids all stay together separate from from the parents, right? You don't stay in a hotel. They actually have their barracks that they all stay together. It's a very cool experience. It's a very, very expensive experience. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so to answer your question, Dwight... So, of the two junior night programs, the junior night team that we're on, the parents had no interest in doing it whatsoever, so we're not going. The other junior night's program, they are going. The price tag on that, from what I've been told, was $20,000 in order to fund the whole thing. Okay? Wow. Now, I talked uh, just a couple days ago to another parent whose team is on another travel baseball team, not the Junior Knights, but another travel baseball team that is also going to Cooperstown. And this will be their first year on this team going to Cooperstown. And they were talking uh, to other parents from that organization who said uh, in the last couple of years when they fundraised, they came up $10,000 short. And then amongst the parents, they had to flip the bill for the rest of the money. Wow. Uh, Of the, you know, figure if there's 10 kids on a team, 12 kids on a team, that's about a grand a a parent to flip in order to get this all done. Now, thankfully for the Junior Knights program, they've been covering their bill and more for the last couple of years because they've figured out the key to fundraising for whatever the reason or how it all works. So that gives you an idea, financially, Dwight, of the amount of money it takes for one trip. right? Right. So now... The our junior night team was going to Field of Dreams in Iowa, where they shot the movie and all that. They have a big tournament, so that's what we're doing. There's no fundraising; you just get in your car, you drive there, you yep. do it, you get a hotel, you're done. Um, so from that aspect, it's a lot easier. But as far as fundraising goes, yeah, I mean, you can raise a bunch of money fundraising. I mean, you can do you know watch parties for Packer games. You could do like a watch party for the game this weekend, like Laroy is doing, right at Classic Lanes in Greenfield. You could do that. You could do um, trivia nights. You can do all kinds of different things. Um, Gary Ellerson, when uh, his kid was playing youth baseball, they had a huge fundraiser out at um, Kelly's Bleacher's uh, Winl- No Big Bend. I guess it is on 164. And they had all kinds of auction items and raffles. And they had a chili contest where parents were bringing chili to try and outcook each other and stuff. And packed it and raised a, raised a ton of money doing it that way. So you can definitely do it. But from a bowling perspective, I guess my question is, and we're here with the Oak Creek High School bowling team, when you guys do fundraisers, like, what are you fundraising for? Well, we're
1: we're fundraising to help cover the cost of the program. You know, we're a self-sustaining program. The school does not fund this program. This has to come by what we fundraise and what the bowlers pay. So, you know, we're doing Kringle sales, uh, uh, breakfast is at – pancake breakfasts at App- Applebee's. Um, the one we've done the last two years with going to nationals is um, we've done a baker tournament. And, you know, we offer some prize money there to try to get the bowlers in. we got to go out there and we got to get all those items for raffle items. You know, those have been the main things that we try to do. You know, ask for donations, you know, from businesses and things like that to
2: help support okay, I, the program. I got some of you right now. It may not work hand-in-hand hand, high school with whatever else for a fundraiser. You put together some type of mixed doubles tournament, right? hmm And the winning couple gets a trip to Vegas type deal. Wow. And then yep. you charge entry fee, obviously, to get in to cover your costs. And then a portion of the beer sales and food sales and everything else that whole weekend, if Classic Lanes and Oak Creek go with it, go towards it or whatever else. And then it's just, you know, adults helping kids or however. I mean, I come up with some clever slogan if you need help right. as far as how to pitch mm-hmm. it. And then, you know, you just advertise that through league play yeah, and, and then have it go.
1: Yeah, that's what we've done with this Baker tournament we've done the last right. two years. when And uh, we've had uh, like 14 teams. You know, we'd like to fill the house, get the 20. Absolutely. But we get 14, and, you know, the the prize there is, you know, Oak Creek, you know, we hold the national high school record for an amount of 300s. So we got that's five of That's awesome. Them. Yep. And with that, we put that caveat out there for this tournament that, you know, hey, th- we'll give you $500 if you adults can throw a Baker 300. That's awesome. And yep. it hasn't been done yet. They haven't even gotten close. It sounds easy,
2: and a lot of these guys are real good bowlers individually, but it's a whole different animal yeah. when you're bowling baker. No doubt about it. Uh, they are the Roboski brothers, and they're, they're coaching uh, the Oak Creek High School bowling team. Uh, Joey Urban is here. Uh, Mitchell Sturmel is here. We'll get more of their thoughts coming up next. Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show here on The Fan. things I learned in breaks. All right. It it is the Castle Lake Spare Time Bowling Show on 105.7 FM. The Fancy Sparky Pfeiffer. Dwight Albrecht is here. Phil Brilo back in studio next week. He joined us earlier in the show. We'll hear from Sean Rash. We'll hear from Packer Hall of Famer Leroy Butler coming up. Oak Creek High School Bowling Team in studio uh, as well. I want to get a couple more thoughts here from uh, Joey and Mitchell, the bowlers on the high school bowling team. All right. So for those that have never bowled in high school bowling before, I've never done it. Maybe have just put their name on the list uh, this year. Talk a little bit, Joy, first about what it's like during the bowling season as far as what your practice schedule is, when you bowl your games, all of that stuff.
5: So we normally have practices Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, normally having Wednesdays and Sundays as breaks. And then usually uh, matches and stuff are Thursdays and Saturdays. Thursdays are after school. Saturdays are morning and afternoon times.
2: Okay, so that's how it works. Mitchell, how many games would you say you're bowling in a given week, then. Um,
6: that's actually a really good question. I get
7: closer to the mic; I can hear. You. Oh, there you go.
6: That's probably a really good question because I haven't really decided to actually count yet. I'm just too busy enjoying myself. Oh, good answer! <laughs> maybe. Good answer. I, like that I mean, answer. we're bowling a match every week. Maybe I've also got league bowling on Saturday mornings as well with the practice. I'm probably bowling maybe 50 games a week. Woo!
0: 50 games a week. Dude, I would, think I would about actually that. think
6: that is, that is
1: probably under what we practice. I would oh, think yeah. it's more yeah, than that. Maybe. Dude, think about
2: that for a second. 50 games? How old are you?
6: I am 16.
1: Oh,
2: man. I would have been in heaven at sixteen. old <laughs> that much, man. <laughs> Get out of here. So at 50 games a week, do
0: the coaches work with you guys on any type of drills or exercises during the week?
6: Yeah. We'll do drills all the time. Mostly. Actually, we mostly do drills. It's. We can do uh, standing sitting one step two step, three step four step, whatever
0: because when you get to college, you hear about all these national college coaches that the bowlers that are incoming have to go through a complete exercise regimen. it's just not okay so they're great bowlers they're right. going to be on the team you know Wichita State they got to go through the whole weight training thing and
2: and obviously taking care of their body now just slow down this is this, I mean this is Oak Creek High School y'all don't got a weight program, do you We don't have a weight no. program now.
4: And I'll Way now. to
2: go! Way to go! <laughs> yeah. On behalf of Joey Mitchell, they thank you.
4: Well, it's like when we bowl a conference tournament at the end of the year; it's 15 games right? Right. in like three hours. I mean, it's almost like a marathon where these kids are going for three and a half hours. You don't get a break, and you know there is some wear and tear. And, and the other wear thing down on them.
2: The other thing that I, that I don't think people understand that have never bowled before in one of these deals is I, I would highly suggest uh, to go to one of these matches when, when these kids are bowling and see all Our the state. parents and all yeah. the craziness Our state. that occurs. Because yeah. when you're getting these kids in, they're like, well, it's not going to be like a football game or a basketball game where all these parents are going to be cheering and stuff. They completely oh. underestimate how psychotic it totally oh, gets, it, it gets and there. how crazy some of these parents it get. loud. Right? Yep. And they're bringing little step stools to stand on so yep. they can see all the other parents because they, the, they can't see the pins and stuff. Right. It it does, and you guys can talk about it. Obviously, oh, yeah. Joey, as far as the adrenaline that gets going when you have all these people yelling and screaming and going on, yeah, it
5: gets it gets really it gets really crazy, and then the energy the energy really rises up in the place, especially when you get to like overtime, extra games, and stuff to like break tiebreakers right. and stuff like that. It gets really crazy.
2: So I, I got to know this. So back in the day when uh, we were bowling, and I'm not suggesting that anybody does this listing. I'm just telling you how <laughs> we did it back in the day. When we were on our spare time, or whatever the case may be, or on Saturday mornings as we got older and started getting our own jobs and stuff like that, we were gambling all the time, right? We always had money on something, doing something one way or the other. And the, the, the thing always used to be, you know, me and my brother, the Pfeifers are golden. Like, if it's a money situation, you can just forget about it because they're probably going to hit the shot if they, if they have the opportunity. Okay, having said that now, I'm not asking you if you all gamble. What I want to <laughs> ask you is, on your team, Who's that money guy on your team that if we need a shot, I want this dude up bowling?
6: <laughs> good question. You could say yourself
2: if you want. It doesn't matter.
6: I don't know. Like, I haven't missed a two ten this year, so. All <laughs> oh, oh, right,
2: <laughs> there you go. That's good. I like that because every team's got to have that, that guy. Everybody's got to have that yep. guy. Like Sean Rash was never that guy for the longest time, but but maybe he oh, will look be. Look at
0: Matt Ogle. He had a double in the tenth. Of, I mean, all that pressure. And he had a double in
2: the 10th. Yeah, yeah, that if, clutch if shot. that would have been Sean in the 10th? Probably not. Um, <laughs> But, but I mean, that every team, I think, needs that guy. Don't you guys agree, as coaches, that every team needs that unflappable guy that yeah. when he gets oh, up yeah, there, if definitely. he needs a shot, I don't got to worry about the crowd. I don't got to worry about anything. That kid's going to get up there and deliver.
1: And in the past, we've usually had that, Buller. But I'll speak to this this year. We're 7-8 seven, seven, deep, and... I don't have a problem bowling anybody at anchor. If it's their day, That's really good. they will bull anchor.
2: Because a lot of that is mental toughness. A lot of that is confidence. confidence. Right. And not right. everybody has it. Just like if you watch a basketball game, not everybody wants to take the last second shot. Oh, I don't yeah. want it. You take it. I don't want it. You take it. Right. That's what it is. And then you have their star players. Most of them do want to take that last second shot. And they fail. They fail. But let me take the shot. I want to be that
4: guy. It's great to have the ability that if somebody is struggling that we can switch our lineup around. And really not miss a beat, right? Which is really great, and that's what makes a makes your team. job easier. <clears> oh, <throat> yeah, well, right.
1: definitely makes it easier, right? And if you asked any one of them, they all want to bowl
2: five. Oh, that's awesome. They all want to yeah. be the guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there only can be that's one on want. a given
1: day, but they all have that mentality, yeah. it's just which is ice great. in
2: their veins. And that's, these kids, that's good for the high school bowling team, without without question. Yeah. Hold hey hold guys, it's... Joe and Mitchell, thanks so much for coming in, guys. Appreciate it, you know? absolutely. And uh, you guys, good luck with all your bowlers. How many guys? How many people did you have sign up? Uh, Twenty eight. It's going to be a fun year next year if they all show up. Dude, that is going to yeah. be awesome. Mm-hmm. That really is going to be awesome. Can you only field one team? No. Oh. Um, we have
1: in the past had multiple JV teams. And, uh, hey, if we can have two JV, a varsity, and a girls varsity team, I will love it. That so would, will Dwight. That, yeah. Yes. That, that, that would be <laughs> awesome.
4: About, about six years ago, we had you know four bowling teams. That is great. Girls varsity, two JVs, and a boys varsity. Yep. That's awesome. We're looking to get that back again.
2: That would be awesome. No doubt about it. So thanks to the Oak Creek High School bowling team for coming in. Up next, we'll hear from Sean Rash. He sat down uh, with Phil Brillo earlier this week, and we'll talk to the Packer Hall of Famer Leroy Butler about his big bowling party he's got coming up uh, this Sunday. Well, not today, but a week from today, next on The Fan.
8: Bill Bryler here for the Spare Time Bowling Radio Show on FM 105.7 The Fan, and with me, half the championship team from last week in Shawnee for the Rothalmen Doubles, Sean Rash, and Sean, congratulations, long time coming for that
7: title. Yeah, it's been about a year and a half since I won my last one, but uh, it's always nice to win, and it was even more special to win with Matt. So, yeah. and uh, boy, 2018 was not a good year
8: for for you, no doubt about it. Uh, what kind of outlook did you go? put yourself into getting into 2019 after looking back at 2018
7: uh yeah 2018 definitely was one that you want to erase as fast as possible uh it was kind of like i showed up just to participate more than anything um but battled a bunch of injuries throughout the entire season which a lot of people didn't know about uh don't want any grief for it from anybody either you know you find a way to get healthy uh practice a different way work out a different way whatever the case is uh, but learned a lot about myself in 2018, um, my supporting cast and everything else as well. And uh, just came into 2019 with a, a different mindset and a uh, different focus set and ready to go.
8: And first of all, you, you look at the doubles pairings, and I mean, you guys from Brunswick are all pretty tight. And you look at some of the guys you could have chosen from for your doubles partners, like Jason Sterner or Tom Smallwood, and you know, people go, Matt Ogle. Why, why is he with Matt Ogle? What, what was the logic behind that pairing? Uh,
7: Matt asked me a couple years ago if I would be interested, and I said absolutely. Uh, you know, I get a lot of flack for not liking two-handers, um, which is very true. Um, it's not that I don't like them. It's just something that I can't do. So it, it's just like the left side of the lane. Uh, I was telling Jacob Butterf the other day is, um, I'm jealous of what they do. You know, when I first came out on tour, I was jealous of what Norm Duke and Chris Barnes and Walter Ray did, throwing it straight. And now I throw it straight. So, uh, just a, a great matchup with with Matt. Uh, our chem- communication and chemistry work really good together. Uh, we enjoy being around each other. You know, we have a great friendship, and uh, everything worked out right.
8: Well, and what a lot of people didn't know going into the TV show was that you guys were out of the show going into position round. You guys had your match, and you guys selected Matt to bowl last in that match. What was the logic behind position around having Ogle have the pressure on him?
7: I think the biggest thing really was we wanted to just start the match first and get going before the other matches would start. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things you don't all throw one shot at a time. So we were able to get off to a wonderful start Saturday afternoon with the front eight and put some pressure on the teams that were ahead of us. And at the end of the day, either one of us would take the ball. You know, winners always want the ball in their hand. And uh, Matt's a a proven winner now on the PBA Tour, Uh, an amazing athlete. Um, He's proven himself in the amateur ranks for years. So uh, we honestly didn't care who bowled the 10th frame. It was just, hey, I'm going. And he said, okay. So...
8: How did you build off that momentum for running the step ladder on Sunday as a team? Uh,
7: the stepladder on Sunday was, hey, keep it straight, keep it in front of you, fill frames and see what happens. Even though the scoring pace was really high during the week, uh, television always has a way to slow things down uh, with the lights, the pressure, a lot of new faces. You know, um, I just say, hey, let's enjoy the moment. We were written off from the beginning. You know, we weren't supposed to be there. That's the one thing we kept telling ourselves: is, hey, this is just free bowling, free bowling. Um, Nobody thought we would be there. You know, we always thought Wes would be there and EJ and Tommy and all these other big stack teams, guys with big resumes. Uh, but, you know, every now and then the uh, the dark horse comes around.
8: Yeah, you guys climbed the ladder. Great job. And uh, good luck this week in
7: Lubbock. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.
8: All right, there he is, Sean Rash,
2: talking uh, with Phil Brylow uh, earlier uh, this week uh, as they get ready for the tournament and uh, this weekend. i, I got to tell you something. Dwight, if Sean Rash is able to win today, that would be a pretty cool deal. I'm not going to lie. Because of how far out of it he has been, that would be a pretty cool deal.
0: Especially everything he's gone through. I can relate with a lot of the issues he's having with his back. He has the same issues with his back that I have, and that's what sidelined me. But the biggest thing, though, that I took away from a Sunday show again is the. I love uh, Spectal for the reason that you can see how accurate especially that last game he was every shot he threw that ball went over the same mark at the same break point yeah granted he doesn't have the high rev rate that the other guys had but I mean especially for the boys in in uh, the room here of uh, how precise these guys are with their accuracy and ball speed and and still can put the revs on the ball that they do so he's my pick for today I think he could win it
2: yeah and you know he goes 8-0 and uh, in match play in the final round and jumps all the way up to the top seed. Now, for those of you that weren't following along all week, Chris Prather was sitting up there on top. Yeah, for most of the week. Yep. He, he was doing his thing from yeah. Plainfield, Illinois. Uh, Anthony Simonson uh, finished yep. in seventh. Anthony lavery Spar, we talked about. He was in eighth. E.J. Tackett was in ninth. Kyle Sherman, who you had talked about, 10th. Stu Williams, 11th. Uh, Buttriff was 14th. Doesn't make the show. Chris Barnes uh, ends up in 16th, last in match play. But here are the five that you're going to see uh, coming up today. Rhino Page uh, is your five seed. Kyle Troop is your four seed. Again, I'm rooting for for Kyle Troop. Uh, Your three seed is Michael Tang uh, from Johnson Ohio. Dick Allen is your second seed, who we all know. Sean Rash uh, is your first seed. Based on how that sets up, Sean Rash should win.
0: I I have him to win it, yes. I think he found something or... Again, there's a new release of equipment, and maybe that equipment is just matching up real well for him. You just get a little confidence with the ball, and it's just amazing how great the physical game gets again.
2: Right. And I, I think the other thing that goes along with this is with him being the one seed, he's going to have to finish for himself. Correct. I and mean, there's no that Ogle one to go right. in there and bowl the 10th frame for, uh, or whatever the case may right. be.
0: So I think that you... title match, uh, Rash out bowled Ogle. I mean, he threw a strike every uh, shot. I in. understand yep. your
2: point. All I'm saying is, when it comes down to the end, and it's that last frame, and it's Sean.
0: Yeah, more times than not,
2: it tends up not being the way you want it to be on TV. Now, right. when the cameras aren't on, like here, uh, you could watch my extra frame. You know, right? But now you get on TV the bright lights. That's not something that that Sean's been all that great at. It's just right. not. I, and it's not it's not everybody's fault. We've talked about this a million times as far as, you know, how to work that. Well oh, there's mental a lot of demons
0: of on TV, absolutely. But the thing that Rash has got going for him is Chuck Gardner is one of the best tour reps out there and has has that um I, I guess he gets through to Rash better than I, I think anyone else. I think Rash really listens well to him and he has that history. Gardner
2: has that history. I mean he's been around the corner. Right. So he's got a good set of eyes. And Chuck Gardner is much uh for Sean. The mental coach, as he is oh, the physical coach, absolutely, and they've developed an unbelievable relationship—a winning uh, over relationship, yeah—over yep. uh, the years that has really bonded those two guys together. And even if Sean were to quit bowling, those two are still going to be good friends, no matter absolutely. what. Absolutely, yeah. Who's your Who's your pick uh, for this week? Because we can't seem to get a hold of Leroy. So who Who's your pick for this week? Rash, yeah. Sean Rash. We just had this whole conversation. You're still picking him, absolutely. Some, hey. Sometimes I talk to myself on this show.
0: <laughs> go ahead. No, I picked uh, Butt Drop the other week. You so did. So I'm, I'm one for two. You did. So um, 50%, that's not bad. Who are you going with? God, I just, I want
2: Kyle Troop to win. I just don't I have. know you're going Troop to win. Is it's, it just the hair or the pants? It's everything. It's everything. There's just, we've interviewed him. I love him. I think, I think he's a good dude. I think he can make a lot of money if, if he marketed himself the right way. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Kyle Troop. That's my heart, not my head. My head said probably go with dick out. Well, we'll but, check next Sunday and see who was right. But it's it's we're gonna go Kyle Troop and see what happens there. All right, that'll do it. Uh and Leroy Butler, I'm sorry. I texted you to call in, you didn't call in. It's not my fault. Leroy. Yeah, and he'll blame this on me on Monday oh, okay. show. Someway, somehow, this is gonna be Sparky's fault. <laughs> uh all right, thanks to the uh, Oak Creek High School bowling team for coming in. Dwight Albright is always here. Phil Bryle back in studio next week. We'll talk about who wins the PBA Lubbock. Uh, Open. uh, And again, that comes up today, and you're going to want to tune that one in. Two o'clock Central, FS1. Enjoy the rest of your day. Toodles.